Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast with me, Conor Whiteley. Psychology student and international best-selling psychology author of over 30 psychology books, bringing you the latest psychology news, fascinating psychology topics and more each week. If you want to learn more, then please check out connorwhiteley.net forward slash books. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the YouTube video or follow on your favourite podcast app. And here's the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 200 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Con Wiley. And today's episode is on Hope, Wonder, Passion, My Psychology Journey. And it's Saturday the 15th of April 2023 as I record this. So to celebrate episode 200 of the podcast, which I can't believe that we've actually gotten to this great milestone, I really wanted to do something different and really something quite special for today's episode because episode 200, so many podcasts don't actually get over episode 30. So in fact that we're almost 10 times this, I'm really pleased with events. Thank you, wonderful listeners, for supporting me and being part of this journey. I cannot thank you enough. But more on that and more of how much I value you in the content part of today's episode, where I look at everything so far about my psychology journey and some hints for the future. And when I was recording it, I recorded it freestyle, so I didn't write a blog post beforehand. I got it transcribed later on. And there's a ton of different bits and pieces, though, that I mentioned that I've never mentioned before. For example, I never wanted to do psychology. I actually thought psychology was pointless when I first started out. So that's quite an interesting one. And then I explained why I thought that and all of the different myths. So this is an absolute brilliant podcast episode that I'm really proud of. And I think this is the perfect way to um, celebrate episode 200. So moving on to the psychology news section, we're reading from the British Psychological Society Research Digest. And the first one I love because I'm a science fiction writer and I think I'm going to have to explore this topic more for my own curiosity. So the first one is The psychological challenges of putting humans on Mars. Earlier this month, NASA named the four astronauts taking part in the Armides 2 mission, which will be the first crewed flight to the moon in more than half a century. The Armides missions are part of a wider vision to take human exploration further into the solar system. Space agencies hope that once they are able to sustain humans on a moon base, they'd be technology equipped to continue on to Mars. But this poses a, a question. These missions might get our technology ready for the journey, but what about our astronauts? Just how ready will they be after the psychological challenges of putting humans on Mars? So I won't dive into the article because to be honest, we don't know and we never will know for sure what these psychological challenges are 
until we actually get to Mars and humans experience some sort of mental health difficulty because there will be immense difficulties because of not only because this is a brand new planet and you're in a brand new environment but also because you're away from your species you're away from home so we all know that homesickness is real and some people absolutely hate being away from other humans so that isolation is going to be even worse because you're not just a few miles away you're not in a different city in the same country you're on another planet you're nine months away from another human and then you're also going to have the social psychology difficulties and the group psychology difficulties because you're stuck with your team like the team that you're stuck with you're going to be stuck for those nine months in the spaceship and then you're going to have to work with them to actually get them on mars establish a colony and then how would the process of laws work how would governance work how would we function as a society these were amazing questions which are why i'm smiling and this is why i love the science fiction genre and this is why in my own science fiction short stories and stuff, I try to explore these different like questions. And sometimes I write in a tire novellas just to explore this one area. These are fascinating questions. I think that after a while, all these will all be sorted because we will have to. But also that I think it will be a very bumpy ride when we first start exploring these different planets. Because the psychology will be immense. The psychological pressure will be immense because we're basically putting so much faith in these people that they can establish stuff. So it's fascinating and I think psychologists will be even more important than ever. Because only psychology can actually deal well with these difficulties. I don't think psychologists would be used explicitly. But I still think that everyone, for example, medical doctors, I'm sure would be involved in this a lot more than a psychologist. I'm sure these medical doctors will be using a lot of the psychology research just like how we saw in the pandemic because even though um, the pandemic prevention and preventing people from getting covid and spreading it was a psychological problem um, it was still led by the medical doctors and the stuff like that and i've mentioned it before like my issues like with that because i don't have a problem with medical doctors at all because without medical doctors we wouldn't know anything about covid and we wouldn't have a vaccine but i think psychologists should have been allowed to have more of a dominant role especially especially in the uk with the sage committee but anyway though so that's a different topic but fascinating topic so the second one is sleep enhancing headbands could make people more productive at work. How can employers help their staff to, to perform better at work? One strategy could be to give them a headband that boosts sleep quality. Researchers have found that employees who wore commercially available closed-loop acoustic stimulation headbands 
while sleeping were more productive and to help their colleagues out more. But the use of wearable technology to boost employees' performance could raise ethical concerns, especially if an employer decided that this technology was an alternative to reducing work demands. So, but this is a very important topic to discuss because I've been working uh, quite a lot on um, applied psychology topics like lately, yeah, yeah, well, like, lately as a part of my like vision. And when it comes to um, work-related stress, there's always work demands, so the amount of pressure that you're under at the work, and a sense of like control, so how much you think that you can control your working environment, that's really important. And we know that the best way to reduce work-related stress is to increase the sense of control you have over your working environment and decreasing your job demands. And I completely agree. This ethical question is really in a problem there, because if we don't reduce work demands, because then people will get more and more stressed. And even worse, what if an employer decides to increase work demands because of this sleep heads about my producing stress? That's not good. And that basically undoes all of the good effects that this does. So we need to be careful. We need more research. And maybe we need some sort of, I don't know, law or at least a regulation that says that. I don't know really, but I think we need something that counteracts the temptation of employees to, to increase a workload. I don't know how that would work, but we do need it. So the final one is, plain packaging could reduce appeal for e-cigarettes to young people. Yeah, this like makes sense. Yeah, because it's what they've done with cigarettes in the UK. So onto the article. Vaping, the use of e-cigarettes, is on the rise amongst younger people as well as adults in the UK. In 2022. 8.3% of adults and 7% of youths aged 11 to 17 reported vaping. For people who use e-cigarettes to help them quit uh, regular tobacco-based cigarettes, there's a benefit. And I completely understand that because that's what's happening in, in my own life, family. And they're a lot happier and they're a lot healthier. First, given that e-cigarettes still contain addictive nicotine, the growing use amongst teens is a concerning. So how do you make vaping seem less appealing to young people whilst not putting older smokers off off switching to e-cigarettes? According to a new study, one simple strategy could be to make all e-cigarette packaging similar to the types used for regular cigarettes in the UK. And as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to the uh, cigarette packaging, that's really plain. I think most of them are white, white with just the health warnings and some quite disgusting images that make you think, oh, no, I don't want to do that to my body. But the vaping like, packages, I completely agree though, right? because my family like things like them back and they're really colourful, really attractive and I I personally don't, but 
I do sort of think, I do sort of think about it more. Even though I would never vape because I don't want to do smoking, I don't want to do nicotine or, or anything like that, or anything that could damage my lung health. I really do understand how it could be seen as more attractive. So definitely, we do need to make the uh, the like packaging more plain, especially to cut down teenage vaping, because that's dramatically on the rise. And it's quite scary because I was watching a, a news article about it, and the amount of teenagers that do vape because they think it's less harmful, that is still concerning. So interesting. So I hope you enjoy the psychology news section. So let's move on to the personal update. So moving on to the personal update. Because the entire podcast episode is sort of like a massive personal update, I am going to keep this really, really short. <laughs> short that one. So, because this is the first week of university, I've mainly just been relaxing, realising how much free time I have now I'm not at university. I've been chipping away at my vision though, and I cannot stress this enough. If you're a psychology student, plan your revision. You will feel so much more confident after you've done it, because I've done that now for my three exams, and I do feel very, well, I will feel ready for them by the end of it and now that my revision is going to be structured I feel that I will do so much better and I'm more confident in myself and it definitely takes away some of the stress about exams. Very, very important. Especially when you're a final year student. But besides from that, I've just been doing like gardening and like different bits and pieces though. But funny story about today's podcast episode. So Tuesday the day that I actually recorded the content, edited it, and then I actually sent it for like form transcription. But the next day, I was listening to one of my favourite Warhammer podcasts, and um, I saw for their episode 150, they did a game show edition on the podcast, and it was hilarious. I loved it. And I just realised, ah, oh, if only if I had seen this like a month or two ago, I could have actually like asked like my friends and um, some other people that I know at the university, do you want to do a like psychology game show edition like for my podcast? I would have loved to have done that. And I'm thinking I might do that for episode 300 or episode 250, depending on who's about and what I'm like that. Um, stage of my psychology journey so that sort of thing though but oh it would have been so much fun to do a game show but I still love today's episode it's definitely one of my most personal episodes but it's also filled up with tons of tips for you whatever stage of your psychology journey that you're actually at and as always I always love to hear your thoughts and feelings on today's episode so you can always email me, connorwhitely.net. You can always leave a comment at the show notes at connorwhitely.net forward slash podcast. And you can always tweet me on Twitter at SciFiWhitely or leave a comment on the Facebook post at Whitley, psychology author. I always love to hear from you because it really helps make the podcast feel more like a conversation. 
and the sponsor for today's episode is actually twofold one normal one really special that i've ever done especially for episode 200 today's podcast episode has been sponsored by my direct store at payhip.com forward slash conwhitely and the reason why i really wanted to focus on this on my direct store today is it because buying directly from authors is an absolutely brilliant way to actually see a port authors more because they get more percentage of of the income in instead of these large retailers taking a larger cut about it and personally i love payhip as a consumer and i do reply for my favorite authors um on them a like occasionally because it's really easy to use it's got a really fast and really secure checkout option and they accept tons of different payment methods like PayPal, credit cards, debit cards, you name it, they do accept it like for the most part. So I really like it. Like it and I really like it as a author because it helps me to sell my books directly to readers in a really easy way though. So you can get all of my psychology books from payhip.com forward slash conwhitely. And if you've been a long time listener to the show, then you might know that I used to have a Patreon, which allows you to support the podcast monthly. Now, I sort of didn't do that for quite a while, for a while though, but I've relaunched it. And personally, I absolutely like love a Patreon because um, I support quite a few of my favourite authors like on it. And the reason why I actually launched a Patreon for this podcast is because these podcast episodes, they tend to take me about four hours to make. So my time for creating these shows is actually sponsored by my patrons. And this allows you to get stuff like early access, bonus content and tons of other great benefits in exchange for supporting the podcast online monthly basis and you can see support the podcast for just a little as like one dollar one pound a month or whether way up at like 15 dollars a month if you really want like the highest tip and you also get discounts on my books so if you wanted to become a patron and i see and i see support the podcast on a monthly basis then definitely check out patreon.com forward slash the psychology world podcast link in the podcast description so that's enough for the personal update let's move on to the content part of today's episode and let's celebrate episode 200 so moving on to the content part of today's episode so we're going to be talking about hope wonder passion my psychology journey and this i think is a great episode that i've been wanting to do for so so long i'm really excited about it it's the second time i've had to record it because after recording the first five minutes i realized i've made a um, microphone mistake so that's always like fun and games but i know that i'm gonna enjoy this and he's like, I did like the first time that I re-recorded this. I know you're going to love it. And you're definitely going to learn a lot about me today. Today though. So let's celebrate episode 200. 
my psychology journey before university. So it might come as a surprise for you to know that I did not want to do psychology before I went to university. Well, to be honest, I never intended to do psychology. I never wanted to. I didn't think there was a job at the end of it. And I thought psychology was profiling, which now looking back absolutely horrifies me. But again, though, this is why in my criminal profiling book, I do actually focus on that aspect a little bit because everyone does think psychology is profiling and all of that absolute rubbish. So it's something that we need to be kind of ourselves on because even though that's such a myth, it's okay to believe in myths as long as we find the truth out later on and as long as we realise that they are myths. So my psychology journey actually started in sixth form, which in the UK is the 16 to 18 year old education system. And normally, like you would go to a sixth form or college. So college, to oversimplify it, is where you do more vocational courses. But sixth form is where you typically do A-levels, which are, which are the more academic subjects. But... In the UK, increasingly, the International Baccalaureate is becoming really popular. So what I did at my school was the International Baccalaureate Careers Related Programme, which meant I had to do two IB subjects and two BTECs, so two vocational subjects. And this was actually really interesting. I did geography and psychology for my IB subjects. And then I did travelling tourism and business studies for my BTECs. All of them absolutely great courses and I loved them all. However, the problem with chemistry that I found was that yes, I was getting the grades. Yes, I could get the grades if I revised, but I didn't feel like I was understanding it. It just didn't really mesh for me with the topic and it was all really quite advanced stuff which I did have a problem with. My grades didn't have a problem with it but I just wanted something that I feel like I understood intrinsically and that I was really good at. Good at. So at the time my form tutor and a bunch of my friends were um, in the psychology classroom. So when my friends were learning about psychology and they were talking about it my form tutor, Miss Shepley, absolutely wonderful woman, who I owe so much to. She was the psychology teacher. So the next day, I asked her, could I join psychology? She said yes. She was really pleased that I was kind of considering it, and she had absolutely no problem with it. Therefore, the next day, I spoke to the chemistry teacher. She was fine about me dropping out. <laughs> Not in the horrible sense, because she realised that it's not for everyone, and even she realised this is really quite advanced stuff. It's more advanced than the A-level was at the time, and even she was having to think about, right, how do I break this down so both 16, 17-year-olds understand this? So it was tough, and even she acknowledged that. So then I started psychology, three months after everyone else. 
But the good thing about that was that, um, at least according to other people, I was understanding it more, I was asking more questions, and I was basically really adding it to the classroom. Because for the past three months, it had been sort of dead, really difficult, really... It wasn't easy to understand for a lot of people, but I sort of came in and, and to quote-unquote, I lightened things up, apparently, which was always like quite nice <laughs> to hear. So then what's happened was that over the Christmas break, I had to catch up on biological psychology, so they had already covered it, and that kicked off my psychology journey. And I honestly think it was one of the best decisions of my life. Well, in fact, I know it is the best decision of my life to change from chemistry to psychology. Because psychology is how I met all of you wonderful people. And it gave me a lot of hope, passion and opportunity. Applying for university. So one of the things that I absolutely love about psychology is that you cannot get a job in it unless you have a degree and a master's degree at the bare minimum. That was my selling point because I know I'm going to sound harsh, I know I'm going to sound horrible, but I think that there are so many degrees that you can go to university and do. And yes, it gives you a degree qualification and it gives you tons of transferable skills, which are brilliant absolutely brilliant but there isn't a job at the end of it or to be honest it doesn't give you anything unique personally i think psychology does give you that uniqueness because if you go for a job you are only competing against other graduates which is brilliant and is always nice it doesn't mean getting the job's going to be any easier but at least it's a little easier compared to if you were going to an office job for example so I knew I had to go to university, and <laughs> this is what makes it even funnier. So in the UK, when it comes to UCAS, which is the application system, you're allowed to take five options. So you're allowed to apply for five different universities. So I'm going to tell you what my choices were, and why, and what my original plan was. So I applied for the University of Kent, so my current university as a backup choice. I had no intention of going there. Canterbury Christchurch, again, had no intention of going there. For reasons I can't say on this podcast, but threat of um, defamation. <laughs> I wanted to go to University College of London, which is a really top-level university. I wanted to go to University of Bath and University of Oxford. Now, the University of Oxford was not my idea. I had looked at that before and I'm thinking, no, this course didn't sound right for me. But then at one year, but then my psychology teacher said, I think you you could get into Oxford. I believe in you. So I said, right, fine then, fine then. So I did all of my university applications late September, early October, because when you applied to Oxford, Cambridge and medicine schools in the UK, they've got a very early deadline because there's so much to it. So I applied, I did the Oxford entry exam. I didn't get quite what I was meant to do, but I wasn't that far off. 
And to be honest, since I think that's the best decision I've ever made. I've never been so grateful to fail, I say in inverted com commas, in my life. Because I've heard so much stuff about Oxford because because of one of my awful friends, she actually went to Oxford and she was from a like, middle class background like me. And our parents don't teach us which wine goes with a particular fish. And we don't want to write essays every single week and defend it like a dissertation for a PhD. And it's like, I didn't, I, I'm so glad I don't have that life, like the Oxford life. Yes, it would have been great in some respects, but it would have been a lot harder. And that's even more important for something coming later on. University of Bath, always love that. It's a beautiful campus. And if you ever are in Bath, just go and see the university. It's brilliant. And, and Bath is a wonderful city. University College of London. <laughs> university might sound great, but it's a city university. And the reason why I'm talking about this is that if there's any university psychology students here thinking about going to university, you've got to go to different campuses. You've got to go to different universities so you can see what is right for you. So UCL, University College London, is a city university. That was not right for me. Especially because, let's just say, their accommodation is questionable. Their accommodation is smaller, and that's all I'm going to say because I'm pretty much pushing the boat out on how much negativity I can say on this podcast. Yeah, University College London, I was really glad I didn't go there. And then at Christchurch, no joke, they accept everyone, so I got an offer within a few days. University of Kent took a bit longer, but I got there. So my original plan, I think, but I'm really not sure because it's been four years, was to go to UCO in London for my undergraduate, and then, and then go to University of Bath for my masters, and then I think go somewhere else for my um, PhD. But of course, back then I didn't know that to become a clinical psychologist you don't need a PhD. In fact, you shouldn't get one to some extent, but I talk about that in like different places, so that's my original plan. Thankfully, I actually ended up going to University of Kent, best decision of my life. My first year at university. So I think whenever we go to university, whenever we decide to make this massive change in our lives, this is always a scary time, and it's always quite nerve-wracking. We're tons of, we just filled with self-doubt, and we basically don't know where we stand in the world. So, University of Kent, for my house, is about, on a good day, and committing to the 70 miles per hour speed limit, I can get that in about 40 minutes. So that's the sort of distance. It's about 35 miles away. So what that means is that um, it wasn't too far away from home. It was far enough away that I got to live down there in halls for first year. And that was an interesting experience. But it meant in my second and third year, I could commute very easily. My first year at university. 
I can't really remember it because it was four years ago and lots of stuff happened. But I remember when I first got to university, I had a great habit of just of just wanting to get away from there. there. Because even though I've been away from my parents before, I've been on scouting um, trips that have lasted a week. I've been to Sweden, Malta. I've given speeches and stuff like that to, that to different people abroad. But university just seemed a bit different. Different though, because I remember my parents leaving my um, dorm. Well, my dorm. Well, we're not in America. Sorry, like Americans. Um, in my um, flat, my university accommodation. And what happened was that I felt really sad. At university, it's always that sort of awkward first few days. Because people are still moving in. You don't know who your flatmates are. So you really are quite unsure. So the next day, or to be honest, I should probably say that, what would you do the next day? Normal people might want to have a walk around campus, meet people, see who else has moved in. I decided to do a 19-mile walk to Whitstable and back. So basically, I walked nine miles there, good few miles through the seafront, and then and then at the nine miles back, my knees, the back of my knees, were hurting the next day, <laughs> and the first few days after, after, and I realised, oh, I think you might be trying to escape university. Thankfully, that didn't stay with me for like very long because of my university accommodation. I met great people, made a great friends. And the only problem I've ever had with university accommodation, please bear in mind that mine was en suite, it was self located, quite nice accommodation, was that people allowed. <laughs> and I mean, like, there were some nights I didn't go to sleep before 2 a.m because people were just so noisy, people were coming back from clubs and stuff like that, people were running up and down through corridors, corridors, but besides than that, it was great. And you do meet some wonderful nationalities, like French and Italian, like they were my two like good friends during like my first year, and even now I do keep in good contact like with them, so that's always nice. In terms of psychology itself, uh, well, I thought I made a massive mistake for the first few weeks. I was honestly scared that I'd ruined my life or made a big mistake because the problem with the first year at university, even though everyone listening to this probably knows this, is that it's a step down. So they really sort of like dumb it down because there are tons of people on the course who have never done psychology before. So it's always about bringing everyone to the same level. So the first few weeks, and I found this in my second year and my final year, it's it does make you question because they're all introductory stuff. They're stuff that you already know. And you're sort of thinking, oh my God, is this what it's going to be like for the whole year? If not, why, what have I done with my life? I'm stuck here now. Why did you actually not stuck there at all? After the first few weeks, it really like got sorted. Um, we started to move on to more interesting, more advanced stuff that I didn't necessarily know. And it was just all about filling gaps in everyone's knowledge. And there's some great 
life lectures at the University of Kent, so I did enjoy it. But my problem has always been group projects. When it comes to group projects, I'm very independent. I like to get stuff done, and I have a fear of group projects because there are some people on on any course, at whatever university, whatever stage of life you're in, that don't want to put the work in. <laughs> they seriously don't. So it's sort of down to you. So I have a massive fear of group projects. And my first group project at university confirmed this fear innately. It really did hammer home how much this fear was. And it was really founded. So I was really stressed. I was feeling really down and everything towards the end of the first term because of this group project. Projects are, yeah, so it was always a bit harsh. It was always, a, so I did beat myself up, up a bit and I did worry about it quite a lot, which turns out that it wasn't the case or I didn't need to be because we did get a good like grade on it. But I still have a massive fear of group projects and I've always hated them. And then the only other interesting thing for my first year fear though, and this sort of um, feeded into my second year mainly, was that in March 2020, that was my first year. That was the end of the summer of the spring term. So that's when COVID struck. And that's when the world changed. The second year of the university and my psychology journey. So as you can imagine, at the end of the first year, the exams were online, they were just thrown up, and they were very tense. It was a very tense time, and I feel so sorry for the second years and the final year students. students. So then what happened was my second year, and as you can imagine, this was very much all online. It was a, it was a tense time because of the world, we were in lockdown, and yeah... It just wasn't a pretty time of life. Thankfully, that didn't really matter with me and my university experience. Of course, we still couldn't do much. And looking back, I realised that, yeah, we did miss out on a lot. Because it's why this year, I'm actually really glad that I have been down on campus. Even though I've not really done any, any societies and stuff. I did miss out on quite a lot during my second year. But equally, I'm sort of glad COVID did happen in that sense because it really did divide up the time um, between my first and my second year and my placement year and my final year. Because to be honest, they're really important distinctions in my academic life. And because there's nothing really interesting that happened in my second year, I do want to just gloss over something quickly. My academic writing was appalling. I could not write academically to save my life. And I think that the problem with the university as a whole is that they do expect you to be able to write academically. They, they just expect you to know exactly what you are meant to do. And I find some university advice is so misleading. So I don't know if um, you've actually got this in your countries, but in the UK, we're sort of given the pill structure when it comes to writing essay paragraphs. So that's point, evidence, explain, 
link back to the question. I don't think that works for university essays. So I followed it, I followed it down to the letter, and I was only getting 50s in my first and my second year when it came to essays. And I was getting worse and worse and worse when it came to essays. But in my placement year, which I'll talk more about in a moment, I changed my structure. I learned how to write a good academic argument, like a professional paper. And then that helped me to get the firsts that I'm thankfully getting now. And touch wood, um, I still will be, because I've still got quite a few assignments not back yet. So I'm sort of pushing the boat out on that comment. I really hope it doesn't bite me in the um, backside now. So academic writing is hard. It's really, really hard, I found. So that was a massive struggle for me. And I basically thought at the end of my second year that I was going to fail university and my psychology journey was over. My placement year and how this impacted my psychology journey. I fully admit this next section of the podcast is definitely going to be very glossed over simply because I've got an entire book coming out in the end of the year called A Year in Psychology that actually talks about this in a lot more depth because it talks about everything I did in my placement year, why I did it, why I thought I really needed it and why I would honestly recommend it to anyone in the world. It is amazing. Amazing though. So my placement year, because it was still sort of COVID, sort of wasn't, it was in that sort of weird getting back to normal time. Oh yeah, because I think there was even a lockdown during my placement year. Yes, I think there was a one month lockdown in, in um, November, December of like that year. COVID, it was such a messy time. I lose track of it half the time. So what happened was, was that it was a remote placement at um, my home, <laughs> but it was also at the university and I was doing like literature reviews and other stuff. So if you're interested in that, I've spoke about it on the podcast before in the personal update section but the reason why I'm talking about this is because this really did impact my psychology journey if this placement year didn't happen my psychology journey would be completely different it would have failed it would have been awful because my placement year gave me back my hope and it gave me back my passion for this subject because not only because of the topics we were looking at, but also because it taught me how to write academically, which no one else does. People that I was working with, they were really friendly, really supportive and stuff. And also, they never judged me, which is, which is always nice. nice and they realised I could write academically quite well, but they just needed to give me a few tips. And it was from reading this... Uh, these literature reviews and reading these academic papers, I realised how you're actually meant to write academically. And it's good that I now know how to do it. Because universities, they just don't tell you how to do that stuff. So it's really good that I was able to up my skills. And basically, this placement year, it saved me. It saved my grades. So this year, I'm doing so much better than I ever could have done 
if I never did this placement year. And also, the reason why I talk about opportunities quite a lot in this podcast and when it comes to placements is because if you do a placement year and you actually meet a great supervisor, especially at a university, then it can open so many doors for you. For example, if I didn't do that placement year, I never would have been on the final year project that I'm on. I never would have met all my friends. I never would have met this um, great PhD student that I get on really well with. So a placement year has given me so much and it really has sort of revitalized my interest in psychology. Because even though my interest, my passion for this amazing topic never went away, I sort of feel I could never do it because my academic writing simply wasn't good enough. So placement years, definitely, definitely do it. My final year. So this sort of last section, actually looking at my psychology journey, is sort of going to be short because I've spoken about it all year, basically. And there are some books coming and I have reflected on it on it in different places about um, different aspects of it. Like I know Clinical Psychology Reflections Volume 4, which is coming out next April. I know that um, covers some of my final year. I'm planning to do a third year survival guide. We yeah, have like that sort of book. So there's definitely a lot coming up, which reflects on this a lot better than I can now. But your final year at university can be the most amazing time of your life, I think. You can meet great people, you can get involved in great projects, and it can really make you excited about the future, but also sad at the same time, because sad in the sense that you just completed an amazing journey through university, and I am honestly a shadow of my former self in the fact that I am more confident, I know how to stand my ground, I've got friends, and yeah, it's just it's just amazing what university can do for you if you take the opportunities that come your way, and if you are proactive. And this is even more true in your final year, because I'm doing so many other opportunities which have deepened my learning, deepened my interest in psychology, and makes me realise exactly what I, want, what I want to do in the future. So it's honestly great. And so many opportunities have popped up for me just because I've been willing to actually talk about them. You'll talk about them. So there's one that I can't talk about <laughs> actually because um, I'm, not sure it, I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen. But when it does on the podcast, I will talk about it. So I'm so excited about it. And again, it's something I would never ever thought I would do. In fact, I've been a very vocal critic of it <laughs> in various places. So that's always interesting. To be honest, sometimes I think I just shouldn't have opinions because they always come back biting me because then I end up doing them. So that's always fun. <laughs> and again, that is why I love university. It's why psychology always, always gives me hope, wonder and curiosity. And yes, I know I'm changing these, but to be honest, these are all variations on the original title of this podcast episode. This episode took so long to actually fix up. 
take-home messages. So in this penultimate section of the episode, I just want to say that the entire point of me doing this episode isn't just so that you know what I've been through, it's so that you know that in psychology there is so many opportunities for you, and psychology is such a, it is honestly a wonderful discipline, it's a wonderful profession, it's a wonderful degree that I just love because it covers so much, without psychology humans are nothing. As I've said before on the podcast, from a biological standpoint, we can say smoking gives you cancer, but what do you do about it? Only psychology can make someone change their mind, get healthier habits and improve their lives. Biology can't do that, chemistry can't do it, physics can't do that. Psychology is in everything we do and that is why it's so important. It's arguably one of the most important disciplines in the entire world. And that is why I'm so passionate about it. We can improve lives. We can help people. We can make people not want to kill themselves. Well, potentially. We can we can do so much more than we ever thought possible. And this is only because of psychology. So this is why I love it. And this is why I'm so grateful for all of you for listening to this podcast. Because your interest, your passion, your comments really keeps me going and keeps me wanting to learn. And thank you. I cannot thank you guys enough. So that's the sort of take-home message. And I was actually going to do these in separate sections, but I'm actually not going to. So, in terms of the future... My future is I'm going to be doing a clinical psychology master's in September, hopefully at the University of Kent. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to learn more about clinical psychology and it's going to be a lot of fun. And the um, project that I'm going to be working on will be a lot of fun too, working with people on depression. Well, not actually working with depressed people, but working on the cognitive angle even though I also talk about why that's a bad thing, about why academics with no um, clinical psychology experience are researching mental health conditions. But again, that's something coming out like next year. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a lot going on in the future. I'm really excited about it. I do want to get um, a part-time job or something, or volunteering position, but if I work with service users directly, in fact, I've actually got to start looking at that. In fact, my original plan was to do that in April. So anyway, though, so busy times ahead. When it comes to the future of this podcast, well, this podcast, I love it. I just cannot give this up. I really can't because I love it so much. You guys honestly keep me learning learning i see the statistics i see the watch numbers and i look at the subscriber numbers on youtube and i'm pleased that this is growing and i know that the podcast has been a bit chaotic at times for example back in october when i low when i slowed down the podcast and i changed the pitch of my voice that was weird and i'm really glad that someone told me about that so thank you and then I know that I've um, fixed it by slowing it down slightly, but keeping my voice, my voice, basically. So, 
this is a podcast I'm going to keep. It will continue. I will fight to make sure it continues because I love it so much. You guys aren't just listeners to me. I will never see you guys as numbers. All of you take time out of your day. I'm busy. I know you're probably busy. So the fact that you want to listen to me is amazing. And I'm so grateful. Like You honestly don't know how much it means to me that you guys want to listen to me ramble on. Like um, at the moment, this is like almost half an hour long as I'm recording this. Even though that's going to change. You guys hear it. So there's a lot going on. And I'm not going to give up this for the world. I want to keep learning. And if I didn't have this podcast, I know my psychology learning would just be what I learn in lectures. And that's not what I want, because lectures, come on, they're fixed. They're a bit boring at times. I want to go beyond my lectures. I want to learn about stuff that no one in psychology really talks about. And that's the aim of this podcast. So thank you for listening. I honestly love you all and just you guys are just brilliant. So thank you. So I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and you've got something out of it. I know that I did and I'm actually looking forward to editing this even though it's actually quite long. So is that going to take a bit of time like for me? It might take me like um, an hour and a half like just to edit this. And if you know someone who've enjoyed today's episode then please share it with them. I'm always really grateful when you wonderful people help us spread the word today about the um, podcast. And definitely check out Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Connor Wiley. I would absolutely love to get some more podcast support and actually reward you for tons of our great benefits. And as always, you can always buy the books directly from me at payhip.com forward slash Connor Wiley. And both those sections I just helps to support me with uh, my time in in uh, creating the uh, podcast episode. So have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. Please remember to like the video and subscribe to the, the YouTube channel and follow the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And if you wanted to learn more, then please check out the backlist of the podcast episodes or my books at conwhitely.net. So have a great day and I'll see you next time.